everybody, welcome back to The Brood Life as we continue our conversation uh, talking about each of the Enneagram types and excited to talk to Nick today about being a type seven. But before we get into that conversation, I'm just going to hand over to him for a couple minutes so he can introduce himself to you. Hello, my name is Nick Griffith. Uh, I am an Enneagram seven. I am a high school Bible teacher as well as running a photography business, uh, Enneagram coaching business, and a few other side things. I have two beautiful daughters and a wife, um, and we're in the process of adopting from India as well. So that's most of what you probably need to know about me, the important details at least. Awesome. So just to kind of get started, like how were you originally introduced to the Enneagram? Yeah, so throughout high school, or not high school, uh, college, I had an interest in uh, personality and personality development, what goes into who I am, what makes me me. And through, I created my own major at college. I went to the University of Michigan, another important thing about me. Um, and I designed my own major. So part of that is your senior year, everyone who designs their own major, which was about 15 students, I think the year I graduated, had a course that discussed uh, liberal arts, interdisciplinarity, as well as kind of self-leadership, personality, what goes into who you are, why did you design your own program, and how can you use that to set you apart when you're trying to get a job with a liberal arts degree, basically. Uh, so through that, they gave us a little bit of training on MBTI, as well as StrengthsFinder. And I really enjoyed both of those. And they both kind of pegged me as odd ducks, the coaches who kind of walked us through that. When I showed them my MBTI and my strengths finder, they were like, wow, you're pretty unbalanced. Uh, so I'm an ENFP and MBTI. And um, my top five strengths, none of them have to do with doing things. It all has to do with ideas and people. And that is 100% true of my life. I can't accomplish anything on my own because uh, I get bored, etc. Long backstory to, um, I really liked those and I use them personally, professionally, uh, but I went to seminary rather quickly after graduating from undergrad. And uh, I went to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, which is a pretty conservative school. And the Enneagram was kind of a fringe concept. Um, and I had a few coworkers who were part of a church who used the Enneagram and they introduced me to it. At first I was pretty skeptical um, because I was like, well, I already have all these programs that I use. Also one through nine, it doesn't really make much sense. I <laughs> tested as a seven and I was like, well, at least it's a high number. Like that's a good thing. <laughs> um, but that kind of set me on a journey as well as a few professors at Southern who used the Enneagram and encouraged me to consider not just who am I, but what, I guess it's a deeper version of who am I, yeah. right? So it's not just what do I do with information that I process or how do I recharge or that's very simplified, but it has to do with what are my core fears and motivations? How does my brokenness impact how I view God and how I interact with others? Mm -hmm. And the Enneagram went a lot deeper than any of the other systems did that I would read something and be like, you know what, this is a pretty, this is a cool program or a cool system. And then I realized that was scratching the surface of what the Enneagram kind of had to offer. 
uh, way more depth than MBTI or StrengthsFinder or anything like that. So that's the biggest first introduction. And then um, kind of a second introduction to a new system of the Enneagram happened a few years ago, um, where I got introduced to this idea of harmony triads. And that has been very influential in my journey and the primary system I use with the Enneagram now. So my, uh, I went through an Enneagram certification program with Claire Lowridge, uh, and it's called Motions of the Soul. I'm a certified Enneagram practitioner. Really revolutionized my view of how can I continue to develop and use this, not just to diagnose myself, but also push me towards transformation. Mm, yeah. So I hope those two kind of new introductions to the Enneagram answer that question. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, that Yeah, that's great. So as you were discovering the Enneagram and, and discovering who you were and what a type seven is like, how did it, how did you feel when you kind of landed on that? Oh, I'm a type seven. Yeah, it made sense. <laughs> I, yeah. I had enough, I think, uh, self-knowledge that I read it and I was like, oh yeah, that's me. Um, but I think I was introduced to it slowly enough that I never really dove deep in the beginning to like sure. get to the real core fear and core uh, motivations and all that kind of stuff. I was mostly looking at behavior in the beginning. Okay. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is freaking awesome. Like who wouldn't <laughs> want to be this type? Right? <laughs> My friends gave me a list of types one through nine. And I started at one and I was like, Ooh, glad that's not me. <laughs> you know, and I kind of went through my wife's a one. Um, Same ones. <laughs> but I'm very thankful. Uh, you know, I go to one in stress, right? So that part of me is in there. And I think that's probably part of my reaction against it. I never had a deep reaction like, oh man, in the beginning of like being a seven is hard or being a seven okay. is um like who would want to be like that because right. most descriptions of sevens sound good yeah <laughs> honestly yeah. uh when people read it they're i have a lot of people that i'm even working with be like i don't want to be a six like look <laughs> at the seven you know they're or look at the three they can make money um and I've always been told, like, usually if you read through the list of Enneagram types, the one you react to strongly or like you're most disgusted by is your type. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know, guys. Is, uh, pretty <laughs> nice. I will Everybody say, except for sevens. <laughs> right. Everyone except for sevens. And sevens are like, Heck yeah, this is awesome. Um, that grew. So it wasn't an initial, man, I wish I wasn't a seven. But I'll be honest, I feel that sometimes now. Sure. Especially when I went from being a young college person who could have fun all the time and that'd be a good thing to being an adult with responsibility. And I did a lot of things fairly young, maybe an odd way of saying that, but I got married at 22. We had our first child at 24. Um, so it kind of pushed me into this like be responsible, you know, and a lot of this mold of being a seven and being an adult, especially I feel like in a lot of Christian circles, there's so much pushed on of like, okay, you were that fun person, but that's not who you are anymore. So I started kind of trying to just deny it 
mm, and push yeah. it down. And I think I still get that bitterness towards that type seven. of like, man, I wish I could have, it was easier for me to accomplish it. Right. I almost said, I wish I could accomplish it, <laughs> but I'm getting, I'm catching myself now. I can accomplish um, even if I need help. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's really good. Now, now going back to, uh, you know, you mentioned that sevens go to, um, well, actually, before we get that, let's, let's go back to, uh, you, you mentioned your wife is a type one, which my wife is also a type one. Okay. Uh, but, uh, how, and this isn't like, for me, it's been a big help in my marriage. The Enneagram has, but, uh, for you, like how has knowing your type and knowing who you are, how has, has that impacted like your life and your relationships? I could probably go on for a while about this. <laughs> I'll try to keep it short. I think the biggest thing is, you know, like I said, a lot of times being a type seven doesn't seem to fit well with responsibility in adulthood. Um, so it's allowed me in learning more about sevens and my motivations and fears, I think to be more gracious to myself mm, um, yeah. of saying, I do need to be responsible. I do need to make sure my children are fed. Well, that doesn't mean I'm not me. Yeah. So it was combining my real life with this theoretical version of myself um, that I was trying to be. So I think first, just internally, it's helped me grow and develop to see sin patterns in my life and mm. um, be gracious with that sin instead of uh, shaming it, which is how I grew up for the first long time of my life. Um, yeah. So it was a great way for me to grow in grace towards who I am, you know, uh, and in my marriage, it helps us understand each other so much better. Ones and sevens. Uh, there's a line connecting one and seven on the Enneagram, but we're a very, very different people with very, very different motivations. Yes. <laughs> so us knowing why we do things is just so critical and it lets us be patient with each other. Um, at least theoretically, it doesn't always, but I think we can yeah. overcome <laughs> the struggles we have quicker, you know, for a long time, I hope, I love my wife dearly and uh, she can be sensitive to criticism. This isn't criticism, but for a long time in our marriage, before we would go out to dinner or go on a date night or do anything fun, she would have to have the kitchen clean. Mm. If we left without the kitchen clean, she couldn't have fun. Yeah. Which my initial response is like, that's literally the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Like the, the dishes will be there. We'll do them tonight when we get home. But understanding her need for things to be right in the world in mm -hmm. that dishes I still don't care about. But in her mind, it's like a sense of justice, you know, yeah. that she wants our home to be right and everything to have its place and for us to be able to enjoy it. So I think even in that little circumstance, now I can say, instead of me complaining and being like, are you seriously doing the dang dishes right now? Like we're, <laughs> we're about to go to this fancy restaurant. Uh, I can just step in and help. Yeah. Knowing that that is loving my wife before it was just, Hey, why are you like this? Let's yeah. go. Yeah. And I don't think I was that rude. 
Yeah, I may have been that rude. Um, but it gives me a chance to slow down. And even with my kids, um, man, knowing where I go in stress while parenting is very helpful. Uh, and knowing how to catch myself yeah. when that's happening. So I think there's a lot more I can kind of discuss. Um, community is a big thing in my life uh, or something I'm passionate about, I should say. And not even saying like, oh, you know, my friend Justin, he's a three, so he does things this way. But having common language to be able to talk about our brokenness, that's hard, I think, without a framework of doing so. Yeah. So it lends itself very well to vulnerability. Yeah, no, that's that's great. I, You know, I always uh, talk about, and I'm sure I've mentioned this in other episodes as we, as we do these, but like my, uh, the big thing I always tell people about the Enneagram whenever I'm like talking about it or introducing it uh, is that like the Enneagram creates empathy for other people and, Mm -hmm. and that empathy eventually builds like healthy community because we're able to like know each other uh, for who we really are, but still have empathy and grace for one another because we all are recognize our own brokenness and our own, you know, shadow side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's been huge in my life and our church is pretty, uh, Enneagram familiar, fluent, maybe to a point where a lot of our leadership is familiar with it. And it's given yes. us a, a great way of um, understanding each other and that yeah. lending to uh, community and uh, even functioning as the body of Christ and right? yeah. knowing that I am different than not just other types, but even other. <laughs> other sevens yeah Uh, yeah. it's a framework of being able to start a conversation saying we are all different parts of the body yep right my wife and i are very different parts of our marriage and the more people you add to community the more that's true yeah no i totally agree uh so going back to the type one again as a, as you said, as a type seven, that's kind of where you go when you are in a season of stress. What are some of the like signs and things that you see coming out of yourself as you're going into those seasons of stress that are kind of like, oh, like I'm taking on those like unhealthy tendencies of that type one? Oh, man. Um, they're all over the place. And as simple as, so I mentioned my Enneagram training with Harmony Triads. Uh, which if you're not familiar with harmony triads, it takes the basic structure of the three, six, nine triangle built into the Enneagram and puts it at one, four, seven and two, five, eight as well. So my harmony triad, I lead with a seven, but my harmony triad is a one, four, seven. So the one is a gut type. Um, And I realized I'm very blind to my body uh, Mm. through that. And that one part is kind of repressed in me. So it's hard for me to even know when I'm in stress because I push that one away so hard. It doesn't mean it's not there, but I'm avoiding it, (laughs) right? Um, So a big thing for me is realizing uh, like my jaw and my Mm -hmm. neck, like I never knew how tense I was when I was in stress. Um, And not just like, like I have like chronic headaches and stuff like that where, you'll see me kind of just like biting down. And um, yeah, that's a giveaway sign for me now. Like, okay, I need to take a step back from this situation. Uh, and then just 
from more of less of a physical standpoint, I just see my patients wearing thin, <clears throat> excuse me, my patients wearing thin. Um, normally, I'm a very, I don't want to say relaxed because I am very high energy, uh, but I'm a very go with the flow kind of person. And when I'm in stress, that just goes away, right? That I start to see myself getting bothered mm. when things change um, that normally I would love, right? Yeah. I thrive and change. Yet when I get into stressful patterns in my life, I reject it unless it's my idea. Mm. Um, so I think those are the big things. And I, honestly, I start noticing I'm acting a little bit more like my wife, um, which we already have her in our marriage. It's usually better if I can avoid uh, getting into that, which again, uh, my wife gets a little bit um, defensive, maybe not the right term when talking about like seven's going to one in stress and one's going to seven um, in growth. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that I've learned to even be careful with of saying stress isn't bad. It doesn't mean right. that my personality is declining right. and like all of a sudden I'm this awful person, right? But I'm, I'm going to the, the negative aspects of a one. Yes, exactly. Um, so it's allowed us even to have those conversations and for me to have more compassion on my wife or for yeah. my wife. Yeah. Where I'm like, man, when I get in stress mode, especially with the kids, um, <laughs> like messes freak me out, which I, my life's a mess. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> my desk, you, I know everything is on my desk, but like I sprawl. So stuff is everywhere. Um, you know, I know when I'm in stress and, you know, one of my children drops an applesauce pouch and it goes everywhere. And I feel it's like a visceral reaction. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. what's going on here? So it, it gives me the, that opportunity to pause, yeah. um, which I never knew before the Enneagram. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like I, and I think that those, you know, like going into like those season stress, like you said, stress isn't necessarily a bad thing. And, uh, but the thing about the Enneagram is like, it like as you learn about those and learn about yourself and, and where you go in those seasons, like you can start seeing those like little like warning signs and like, okay, I, I, I can see myself like going into this unhealthy space. So now I need to like pause. And now what do I need to get myself out of that? Yeah, definitely. And I can talk about it all the time it's still <laughs> hard to put into practice sure I, I think i first learned about enneagram probably seven years ago um okay. and i've been using it regularly for about five okay and even then it's like man i can talk about motivations fears things i'm seeking but it's still hard to put into yeah. practice in that everyday life and i think that's part of an important thing about the Enneagram is it's not a one and done. You don't learn your triggers yes. and your stress and then, oh, I can recognize it when it comes up and then I cannot be a jerk to people. Um, it's a long process. And I think that's the yeah. key of being patient with yourself. Yeah. Uh, knowing the ups and downs. Like the Enneagram generally has made me a much better husband or it's helped me become a better husband. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm a good husband all the time now. Right. right. Um, or it doesn't mean sometimes I don't say, hey, I'm headed in distress. 
I know it. Well, screw that. I'm just going to do what I want. Right. Yep. <laughs> totally relate to that. Yeah. So, so when you do see yourself in those seasons of stress and, or, or just in, in life in general. So like seven yeah. for sevens, you, you guys go take on the better aspects of a type five when you are in health. So what are some things that you are able to do to kind of like, like push yourself towards growth and, and become like go into a, like a healthier season, I guess. Yeah. I think there's the biggest thing for me, I think is community. Mm. Um, and the biggest thing behind community is the vulnerability aspect. Yeah. Because it's easy for me to jump into community and I'm doing air quotes around community when it's just doing things together, just having fun, which is good. I need that in my life. We all need that in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm really pushing towards growth, it's being honest with who I am, where I am. It doesn't even need to be super spiritual or super deep, but just this aspect of relating to each other, sharing story, which is critical, I think, in having any real community or change. And it gives me the opportunity uh, to self-reflect, but also to be a mirror for other people, right? That when I can see other people walking through their journey and I can see other people engaging with uh, their false selves, it spurs me to do the same. So I think that's a big thing for me um, as well as, you know, more internally um, slowing down, taking time. Um, I don't know how much this relates to a five, um, but my five-year-old, five, there you go. Uh, my five-year-old is incredibly observant. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I never realized how big of a rush I was in until I started going on walks with her. And she will stop and smell every flower. She will stop and, you know, need to pick up rocks and move them and play and just look at the river. I appreciate and love beauty. I'm a photographer. You know, I know how to make things look better than they even are. Uh, But spending that time with her has really shown me how important it is to slow down and to savor what's around you. That might be a flower right? I never was a flower guy. Um, now I feel like I notice every flower I even drive by yeah. because she's helped tune me to stop and recognize beauty. And I think that's a big thing for sevens is slow down and go deeper with something rather than being like, oh, that's a cool flower. Oh, yeah. look at that river. Like, oh, I can Instagram that. I'm going to send this <laughs> to all my friends, uh, but actually stop and, um, you know, I think as a follower of Jesus as well, stopping to recognize his hand in creation, his hand in beauty that stirs my heart towards God, I think is really critical for me growing. And it allows me to be more present as well, which presence is huge for a seven, um, and huge for me. I can, I'll own that. Um, it's hard for me to be present. Yeah. My head is in the future. Yep. I 
have thousands of thoughts going through my mind all the time. I have names for hundreds of businesses that I would love to start one day <laughs> that I can't seem to really ever take the time to get further than a name, but I have the name. Um, but when I can stop and go a little bit deeper and pause, um, just for a moment, looking at a flower, it lets me do that better in my daily life. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good. I think that's really good uh, advice, I guess, or or an examples of like four type sevens, because, you know, you, you, uh, you, you said it is hard to be present. And the one thing I hear, I've heard about sevens all the time is like, like you could like spend all this time planning this big event and you get to this big event. And instead of being able to like, enjoy this event, you spend all this time planning, you're already thinking, well, what's the next thing that I'm going to plan? And like, just being able to like stop and be present and, and experience this like thing you've invested time and energy uh, into uh, and not start thinking about the next thing to do. Yeah, it's been huge for me. And I think my, uh, our church is a missional community model, if anyone's familiar with what that means. Uh, so our missional community last year during COVID, uh, our theme was rest. Mm. Um, and I think working through that really benefited me uh, of when I finish something to stop and enjoy it. Yeah. And then to let myself rest. Um, it kind of brings everything together and not just take naps. I do love naps, but also um, fruitful rest, spiritual rest. Yeah. Um, yeah, it brings everything together for me, I think. So it, it, a lot of people, in, with all the types on the Enneagram, we all have like mis, uh, misunderstandings or we have these uh, kind of like things that everybody thinks about specific types. So what are, what what's something or some things that you wish people knew about the type seven that maybe they don't know or don't understand? Yeah, I think sevens are one of the most misrepresented types. Maybe that's just because that's me. Uh, <laughs> and I read a description and I'm like, what? No, absolutely not. Um, I think it's really important to know that one, the biggest thing for me is most sevens aren't shallow. Mm. We're actually extremely deep thinkers. We're constantly thinking. I mean, we're in the, the head triad. So thinking is yeah. kind of the center through which. Um, so I think that's just incredibly important to know, like, we're deep thinkers. We aren't even flaky. Yes, we may change our minds, <laughs> but <laughs> um, it's purposeful often. Yeah. Not always, but often it's very purposeful because we are, you know, sevens are avoiding pain. And pain manifests itself in many different ways. Um, so I think knowing, knowing that and knowing that sevens aren't always a party, um, I'm a pretty introspective, I mean, I think compared to most people, I'm very introspective, um, and sad a lot, right. But it's yeah. kind of, what do I do? What do I take and how do I respond from that? And even I'm a pretty... I'm a very extroverted person in groups, but even in at home, I like being by myself. I like yeah. being quiet. Um, 
I think seven is it's presented as a very one-dimensional like college student who parties all the time and <laughs> like goes to Europe and then studies abroad and then does all this stuff and they're flaky and everything. I and mean, I just think that's a little bit shallow. Um, so I think those are probably the biggest things, but I, I think also a reminder to people that the core, um, Oh, I'm totally forgetting language right now. Uh, like the, I'll call it the deadly sin of the seven yeah. uh, is fear. Yeah. Right? Most people don't realize that. Sevens can appear pretty fearless, but we are deeply driven by fear, probably even more so than sixes, which everyone associates most with fear and anxiety. Right, right. It's just what, how do we handle it? And the biggest thing for sevens is our default is to push it away and to suppress it. That doesn't mean that the fear is not there or that we don't even, like we do feel it. Um, so I think knowing that fear is drives most of what we do. It's not fun or excitement or who may think it is, but really it's we are fleeing from the fear of being trapped in pain. Yeah which I think reframes it a little bit from like, dude, just commit to a career. Like what's right. wrong with you, <laughs> you know, and to, you know, why are you afraid of committing? Um, very different approach to interacting with a seven. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. And then one thing uh, that I remember talking about, so I, I'm a type nine on the Enneagram and I, uh, a lot of people associate like FOMO with type sevens, like fear of missing out on something. But like, as a, as a nine, I also have fear of missing out and, but our, like our motivations are different. So, but I think like similarly, like, like you as a seven, you know, you can't be everywhere at the same time, but uh, a lot of times sevens want to be invited, even if they can't oh, yeah. go like, and so for me, that's the same thing. Like I may have already made the decision that I'm not going to go, <laughs> but but I, but I don't want to feel like I've been forgotten. And, yeah. and so I, so like, there's like the same thing, like fear of missing out on things, but, but just different motivations behind why we have that fear. Yeah. And I lean into that a lot. <laughs> I think even uh, I'm always, I, I exaggerate, of course, I'm a seven. I'm often the <laughs> one engaging in relationships sure. or pursuing, uh, but I go through times where I'm like, you know, does anyone actually <laughs> care? Yeah. You know, like I'm going to quit reaching out to people and see what happens. Like, uh, are you going to reach out? Are you going to invite me? Uh, which I think is a sign of stress <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Um, but it's that it's the twist on the fear of missing out that I don't want to have to be the same person for everyone. Not the same person, but I don't want to have to be the happy, fun one who's planning everything. Right. I want to be able to be the sad one who just wants to get invited to the movies or right. anything like that. Right. And, and not be, not feel like people are just borrowing you for, for your energy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that was a big thing for my wife and I, even I think with the Enneagram is uh, what I'm not the high energy person that I'm okay, <laughs> you know, and that yeah. it's yeah. not about her. 
that there's times where I can't be that person and yeah. I shouldn't always be that person. Um, so it's helped us walk through that a little bit of uh, accepting me when I'm not at my high energy yeah, uh, and that kind of thing. Yeah, no, it's great. So uh, say there are other type sevens that may be listening. Maybe they just found out they're type seven. Maybe they know for a while. What's some like advice or encouragement that you could give to another type seven that might be listening right now? Yeah, I, there's so many things that I, I've learned and not that I'm an expert by any means, but there's just little ways in my life that knowing I'm a seven has helped me uh, that I'd want to pass on. I think a big thing is to, like I was talking about earlier, to stop and savor the world around you knowing that the world is a beautiful place, right? That people yeah. are beautiful, that um, it's okay to slow down, to risk maybe even feeling trapped a bit in order to enjoy what the world, what people have to offer. Yeah. I think that's true with when you're, walking somewhere noticing flowers i think that's true in relationships that too often we can try to breeze by to accomplish not not accomplish more but to do more things or to uh, keep ourselves entertained or do all the different ways we avoid pain and (laughs) uh, being trapped in pain yeah and i think uh being gracious with ourselves and society around us i think because Society tends to champion sevens mm-hmm. until they graduate college. And then it's like, well, put on your big boy pants or whatever that <laughs> saying is. Like everything we've said is great and fun about you. You have to stop doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think be patient with the world around you um, while taking the time to look and be honest with your own brokenness and the own motivations behind why you're doing things or why you can't or don't ever want to stay at a job or you don't want to stay into a relationship uh take the chance and slow down back to the harmony triad idea you know that really allowed me to see if we look at ourselves as beings with a head heart and gut um that i ignored a huge part of me Mm -hmm. and i think there's a lot that goes behind that uh which also leads to go to therapy i think that's a advice for every type and every person who may hear <laughs> this yes. uh, but i think especially for sevens because it takes it can take a while for us to have enough self-knowledge mm. to get to the real work and whether that's the therapy whether that's therapy or with the enneagram uh because we can deny a lot of what we feel and um can try to reframe it, which is big for sevens. I think giving us the time before we're in big times of stress, before we're in times of emergency or whatever that may be. So I think there, I can't recommend therapy enough yeah, <laughs> for everyone. Yeah. And absolutely, I think that's probably the biggest thing um, as well as don't think just because um, 
I'm totally drawing a blank on what I was just trying to say. I'm basically trying to communicate, be who you are, but be willing to admit what's being driven by brokenness and fear. Mm, yeah. Instead of um, the good things in you, because they're sevens are created in the image of God, right? We show the joy of God that has existed eternally uh, with him that we can represent to the world. One, we don't have to always be this crazy, happy, joyful person. Um, but it is a beautiful thing that we can represent. Um, but we need to look in that and find out what is this true self, this true way of living that represents uh, the image of God, that represents who I truly am, and what's just brokenness that looks fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Uh, and as a, as a type nine, I enjoy the type sevens in my life because you guys usually <laughs> give me to do uh, fun things that I probably would say no to because they feel uncomfortable. But <laughs> and then and then we're always usually going to say yes to whatever you ask us to do. Uh, <laughs> so uh, one last question uh, that's not on the list here, but uh, I ask everybody that comes on here because it's called the Brood Life. So when you go and hang out with your friends or go out with your wife to have coffee, what is your drink of choice? Man, uh, I'm going to be a very stereotypical seven here. It's always different. Uh, <laughs> I usually, I'm a big coffee drinker. I drink way too much. Uh, at home, I use a combination of usually AeroPress. It's just fast and easy and I can do it on the go. Uh, Me too. Nice. Um, I love espresso, but I typically am not a big latte person. Um, I do like, I'm lactose intolerant, so maybe that's why. I, I like an oat milk latte, uh, but typically I ask coffee shops, what are they known for? I kind of scope out places. Uh, okay. Typically baristas know fairly well uh, if there's anything they do extraordinarily well. Mm-hmm. A lot of places say, oh, everything's good. And then I kind of know like, okay, well, either you don't drink coffee or uh, cause there's no way you're good at everything. I usually, if I'm at a new coffee shop, I try a Cortado. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, a drink of the barista's choice that is not too sweet. I'm not a big sweet guy. Okay. Um, but I have been big on, oh, what do you call it? Like club soda coffee drinks. Okay. Uh, a few places near us it's like a it's almost like drinking a cocktail uh made you know with coffee and some syrups or that kind of thing okay i'm a little bit all over the place uh, i I like trying new things right so i don't want to go thinking oh i'm gonna order a vanilla latte like (laughs) anywhere you want in Uh, life and they're all gonna be a vanilla latte Uh, i apologize if you're a vanilla latte guy uh i'm not a vanilla latte guy so you're good (laughs) all right Uh, i'm i'm a well uh, for people who know me i'm a coffee nerd so uh, i'm an aeropress guy usually and i get my beans uh delivered to me from a local coffee roaster here in town once a month at my house and uh freshly roasted grind fresh every day make my arrow press and i'm the only one in my house that drinks coffee so nice yeah (laughs) i'm I'm a high school teacher and i make coffee all the time in my class uh it's just like that smells so good can i have some i'm like nope this is like 25 (laughs) dollars a pound beans uh i have a quick shout out to synergos coffee in louisville kentucky uh 
They're my favorite coffee roaster. Awesome. Uh, I just hate it on lattes, but if you're ever in Kentucky, they have a single origin latte okay. that will change your life. Uh, I had it and it actually is like coffee forward instead of milk. Um, gotcha. And it's, it's wonderful. They're, they're, uh, coffee is also delicious. Uh, we order once a quarter when all their seasonals come out. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. My, I have family in Louisville. So if I'm ever down there, I will look them up. Yeah. Louisville's great. We lived there for a few years. Uh, surprisingly a pretty hip town. I say surprisingly, I don't know. I don't think of Kentucky being a, uh, hip place. So maybe that's why. <laughs> um, no offense to Kentuckians. <laughs> no offense, but Louisville has a fantastic food and coffee. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They do. That was great. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on and just sharing about yourself and being a seven and uh, hope that this is beneficial to people listening, whether they're a seven or they have a type seven in their lives. Thank you.